What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Call Her Holy. I'm Laura Eldridge. And I'm Nicoletta Bradley. And we're going to have some fun today. I feel like we always say that, but we always do. <laughs> we're really excited. I think today's going to be great. Okay, let's skip QLU today and do something fun. Ooh. Well, fun is relative. I want to ask you this. What is the biggest struggle you had this week internally? Oh my gosh. And where do I begin? <laughs> I threw her off guard with this question. <laughs> no, she literally did. She goes, we're not doing QLUs. I have a question. I said, okay. And here we are. I'll answer too. Um, I'm going to be honest with y'all. This week was probably one of the hardest weeks I've had in a hot minute. Mm. And I kind of just broke down. Like I cried multiple times. Granted, I was on my period. So that definitely <laughs> plays a role for all my ladies. But I think I kind of got to this point where everything that I was doing, everything I was saying was honestly just to please others. Mm. And I felt like there was this weight on my back. And I journaled out this morning. I'm like, God, what is going on? Why am I caring so much? about what other people think or all these things. And here's what I realized. I realized that I oftentimes believe that people expect something from me, even though they've never communicated that yeah. to me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, like like at your time or expect perfection or... Yes. So I think that people expect me to serve them, love them, and be perfect at all times. Yeah. Oh, and so you you think they expect you to be Jesus. Got literally, it. Literally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And I'm kind of like, okay, so I need to do everything I can to prove to you that I'm perfect, which then makes me absolutely crumble and fall because I can't do that. And it's like this weird sense of like, oh, I didn't do the dishes for my roommates oh my gosh, I'm the worst ever. They probably hate me. Like, I know that's a spiral. Yeah. But even to the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I spoke up in a meeting and I probably sounded like a diva. They probably hate me. And I've been kind of trying to debunk these lies, which is community because it really popped up a lot in the last week. And it just is like, man, if, and I felt like the Lord this morning was like, if you believed you were fully loved, fully accepted and fully known, what would you do differently? Wow. And it just got me to a point where I was like, I would say the things that I wanted to say and I wouldn't care what people thought about me after I said them wow. because my motives are pure. But then I just cycled through. What are they going to think about me after this? That's really good. One of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given was when you walk away from a conversation, don't think about what they're thinking about you. Yeah. Because I think we're all doing that. You know, we all walk away and think about ourselves and it's like, okay, the other person isn't thinking about all the dumb things you said or whatever. They're probably thinking about all the dumb things they said. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it was just, I mean, I'm openly admitting this and a place of brokenness. And it's hard for me to admit because once again, it's showing that I'm not perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm like, no, I need to show that I'm perfect. Now all these people know, Nico. I know, y'all. I'm broken. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but I think it's been sweet to just kind of be like, God, who do you say I am? Mm -hmm. But also, God, who do you say you are? That's good. And you're a God who looks at me. And I think this is my tagline, what I kind of came to last night. I felt like the Lord was like, hey, Nicoletta, I just want you to be. I don't need you to be better. That is really good. Should, I, should we just wrap up the episode? <laughs> yeah, truly. But I was like, Lord, I think you're asking me just to be me. Like, if I'm being a diva in that moment, own it. If I didn't do the dishes, it's okay. Just be because I'm constantly living in this spiral in my life of like, I need to be better. I need to look better. I need to act better. 
do and I better. Think that, yeah. Yes, do better. And God's like, daughter, you don't need to do anything. Yeah. And that's the gospel. Yeah, that's good. It's like the difference in performance-based acceptance and acceptance-based performance. Mm. We should do a whole episode on that. Yeah. But Gosh. What about you, Thanks Laura? for sharing that. Okay, for me, I had a couple days this week where I was overwhelmingly fearing stillbirth, which I know is not relatable to a ton of people listening to this, but the unknown is. Yeah. Things that feel out of control in your life, and now it feels even heightened that there's this other human that I'm like partly responsible for, yeah. but I'm also completely out of control when it comes to whether she lives or dies. And that sounds so morbid. No. <laughs> but truly, I, as I've been getting t- towards the end of pregnancy, my prayers have been a lot more desperate, if that makes sense. And I'm thankful for that because when we think everything is going well, we tend to pray lazily, I've found. And when I feel the need for something outside of myself, which is God, obviously, um, I am more prone to be like, please, Lord, please, please, please. And it creates this intimacy. But that's that's my biggest struggle this week. And I've found peace and trust, but I definitely had a breakdown with Colby. I watched, we were watching a show and this baby died and I immediately like jumped up out of my seat and tears started flooding. Oh. And Colby was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? That's not, that's not our baby. Like, what's happening? And it had just reiterated all these fears that had been playing in my mind that I'd been trying to take them captive, but uh, it was just a culmination of all that. I feel like it seems like we both had a week where the Lord's like, hey, surrender. Surrender what's going to happen with your birth. Surrender what's happening with your baby. I've got it. In the same way that he's like, hey, surrender, Nicoletta. You don't need to do you don't need to figure it out. Like you get to rest in me and me alone today and I will take care of your tomorrows. Wow. That's actually a great segue into what we're talking about today. Yeah, I'm excited. So today we're talking about post-grad. So surviving life after thriving. college. Yeah, surviving and thriving. How to manage like your early 20s. So some of you guys listening to this, I've already graduated and you're like, okay, but what do I, what do, I do still? <laughs> but here's the deal. The reason we're doing this episode is because I've talked to a lot of y'all and you might be maybe one or two years out of college and you're still asking the same questions that we're going to address today. Totally. And so I think the reason that we wanted to talk about this is because Laura and I were kind of going through old DMs and a lot of you were like, what do I do post-graduation? What do I do if I hate my job? What do I do if I'm not married by 24? And we kind of just lumped this all into this topic of some things that we wish we knew after college. Yeah, it, it is this like, what do I do? And it's the unknown again. Totally. It's uncomfortable. It's new. It's some sometimes exciting. Where were you mentally and emotionally like right before you graduated? Yeah, gosh. Okay, so when I graduated college, I had a job lined up in IT sales. Stop it. Yes, y'all. I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you. I lasted two and a half months. Oh like I quit that bad boy so fast. We were up at, I was up at the crack of dawn and I was there till 7.30 p.m. Like it was terrible. But here's the thing that was really big for me is that I had no idea. No one prepared me. No one told me what post-grad life looked like. They just said, oh yeah, easy transition. You'll graduate. Boom. Bye-bye. I am no, no joke. After I graduated college, I went, so I went to TCU. I went to TCU admissions and I went to the dean and I emailed them and I said, can I sit down with you? and have a meeting. So a few months after I graduated, I sat that man down and I said, you didn't prepare me for post-grad. You didn't teach me how to do taxes. You didn't teach me how to do a 401k. I am 
struggling out here and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. And the only reason I did that is because I had around 30 other friends who were feeling the exact same way. And they were the top of their class. They were the people that graduated in honors in the biggest business school at TCU. And they were all sitting here anxious and stressed out because they're like, what the heck am I doing? I'm honestly so proud of you. I took charge. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) That is, I mean, that's such a great way to solve a problem that for people coming after you, you know, because you could have just as easily been thinking and doing, okay, well, we have to figure it out on our own. And I'm so mad at them and for not preparing us. But you said, I'm going to like solve this for the rest of the people. Girl, I was like, (laughs) someone's got to do it. Yeah. I don't know if they implemented it. I hope they did. Yeah. That's really good. I can just imagine little, little tiny baby Nico walking up (laughs) into the dean's office. Like guys, (laughs) we need to talk. (laughs) Excuse me, sir. We need to talk about something. And he was like, okay, well, Sorry. Okay. Um, what about you, Laura? What was what, your life like? What was I feel? Okay. I remember calling my mom and being like, can I please take a victory lap? <laughs> she yes. was like, so real. I loved college and I didn't want to leave. She was like, do you want to pay for it? I was like, oh, never mind. We're good. We're good. You're like, I'll go into <laughs> I'll the graduate. work field. Yeah. Because you went from Waco to Dallas, right? I did. Okay. I was doing music full time. So I kind of had this, I want to travel and I don't know. Do you probably had a more my story is a little bit unique. <laughs> I did have a fun post grad, and then I attempted the whole job thing, which we'll talk. We'll talk later. Gosh, should we just dive into these points? Let's do it. So, y'all, we have sixteen points for you today of basically things that we wish we knew when we graduated college that hopefully can encourage you. Before we jump in, what was the best piece of advice that you got for post grad? To be honest, the best piece of advice I ever got was from my cousin randomly. And he said, Nicoletta, you can always move back. And I was like, what does that mean? He goes, it's so easy to think you graduate college. Let's say you graduated in Dallas and then you moved to South Carolina. It's so easy for us to think I'm going to be stuck in South Carolina forever if I take this job. And he was like, yeah, you can move back. Let's say you get there and you hate it. It's inconvenient to pack up all your stuff but you can move. That's really good because I feel like that takes pressure off of these life decisions that we feel are so big. What does God want me to do? And a lot of times it's, he wants you to choose and honor him in whatever you do. Yeah. And a lot of these decisions, you can reverse, you can reverse. Yeah. And so a lot of you just, we don't need to fear that if we make a decision, we're stuck there forever. Okay. Granted, yes, marriage, you are stuck there, but everything outside of that is different. And you don't want to be noncommittal. If you get a job, you don't want to keep bouncing every two months to the next job and things like that. But just take a deep breath. God's got you. Unless people are saying, hey, this is a really bad decision who are following God, then you have freedom you have to make choice. decisions. What about you, Laura? What was the best advice you ever got? I would always ask people, literally, I'd walk around and say, hey, what are your two biggest pieces of advice for moving from college to the real world? I Dang. asked tons of people that question. Sometimes I'm like, wow, was I wiser when I was 20? <laughs> <laughs> like, why did I seek advice then and not seek totally. advice now? I'm so confused. And I remember, I don't remember anyone's answers except for one guy. His name is Austin. And he said, one, get community. And two, get community. Dang. And he told me about Watermark, told me about the Village Church here in Dallas. And I started going. Dang. So that's actually our point one and our point two. Our first point is exactly what Laura just said was find community in a church home ASAP. Yeah, it, and it's not in the party scene. Yeah. Straight up, the decisions you make right now 
are going to affect you long term. So we just kind of said, don't feel the pressure with all these decisions. When it comes to holiness, godliness, decisions of who your friends are, decisions on who to date, there are so many critical decisions that need to be made in community. And we try to do this whole thing of like, I'm going to just keep asking my parents who aren't believers, or I'm going to keep asking my party friends who don't have the same morals, who don't have the same vision for life. And it can be really bad. Yeah. And I've seen two different paths be taken with girls that I have mentored and girls that were post-grad and the girls that dove into church immediately when they moved to a new city, they have the, they have great post-grad lives. They found community. They found a new group of friends and their whole life looks different than it did in college. But I have other friends that kind of got lazy, honestly, and were like, yeah, I'll, I'll go to church. I'll eventually get there, but I'm going to stay comfortable and maybe hit up the bar scenes Friday and Saturday night. And I would say that the girls that found community in a church home ASAP are truly thriving while the girls that hit the bar scene and maybe a more comfortable lifestyle are striving. And kind of surviving because they're like, man, I'm doing the same thing that I did in college, but I also have an eight to five job slash I'm kind of an adult and they're just struggling. Yeah. And so my encouragement is find that church. It's going to take time. You're not going to walk in and all of a sudden have a group of friends, but I promise you those relationships are going to be more lasting than a couple drinks on a Friday or Saturday night. And some people don't think that it's worth it. Some people don't see the point of finding a church home and finding community and being under biblical authority, having somebody who gives an account for you, who is truly praying for you and seeking your benefit and your welfare. Like that's the Bible calls us to one, to be part of a church home, but two, think of what you're missing by not having like older, wiser people. Totally. Just even from afar, elders of a church saying that person, I believe I'm accountable for them to Mm. God. And I, I want to teach them and help them grow. That's good. And I think the last thing I'll say to that is be patient. It is going to take time. You might have to church hop, but I promise you it's worth it. That's good. Number Ready? two. Yep. This is all my ladies that I talk to. If you are not ring by spring, I promise you're not behind. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> that feeling never goes away, really. In, yeah. Later in life, you can start feeling like you're behind in different ways. Totally. I have had the same conversation with a 22-year-old and a 32-year-old. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's this belief that growing up, we think we're going to meet our husband freshman year. And by junior, senior year, we'll start looking at rings. We'll get married. Right after we graduate, we'll pop out babies two years later. Yeah, that's so true. We have this linear view of life that it's this chart that's just up and to the right. Yes. That everything in our life is going to continue getting better and getting better. And that's where we find a lot of disappointment in our 20s because we start realizing, oh my gosh, life isn't going to go the way that I expect it to. There are going to be bumps along the way. Wait a second. I'm not married by the time I wanted to. I don't have the job that I thought I was going to have. I thought my life would be like sex in the city or whatever, Outer Banks. I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. And I remember hearing something one time. They said that a guy's frontal lobe is not fully developed until he's 25. A girl's too. Exactly. And so we get married and we want to start this life off when we're not actually fully, I don't know the right, cognitively developed. I unfortunately learned that the hard way. This This is part of my story that God has redeemed. I had gotten a PI in college a public intoxication or whatever. Okay. And had to go to the dean's office. And I remember him telling me, this was actually really impactful. He said, 
your frontal lobe isn't developed yet. You're making <laughs> like you're making these decisions that are going to impact you. Like this is this goes on your record. And I just been like, I don't, I didn't hear another word you said, but that, oh, that makes a lot of sense. (laughs) Yes. And so I think we need to remind ourselves that if you don't have a ring by spring, or let's say you go through a breakup right after you graduate. I know a lot of girls, it's called, no, the turkey drop is freshman year of college, but it's similar. The turkey drop? Have you not heard of this? No. It's when you go to college and as a freshman, everyone gets dumped around Thanksgiving time and then you go back second semester single. Oh, shoot. I was the one doing the dumping. Dang um, it. So, Laura, turkey drop. Sorry, boy. But you're fine now. You're, you're married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say this to say that just because that boy doesn't work out, the guy that you've dated all throughout college, it doesn't mean that you're going to be single forever. Yeah. Y'all, the guy I dated in college, praise the Lord. He did not let me marry that 100%. man. 100%. Like, I, he's a drug dealer now. Oh, my gosh. And so, I, I pray, well, for, pray him. for him. Sorry, well, I'm pray laughing. For him. <laughs> I just didn't expect that. But you know what I mean? I'm like, man, if I had married him, my life would look yeah. wildly different. And I think the last thing I want to add to that is you don't know what God is protecting you from. That is a retweet, retweet, retweet. Yes. Because we get so caught up in the emotions and even we start liking guys and it doesn't work out post-college and you just have no clue what God's protecting you from. Yeah. And what may seem like the end, it actually could be the beginning. Yeah. Point three. Don't expect to find your dream job right after college. Okay, y'all. Like I said, I worked in IT sales for two and a half (laughs) months after. Like, I am not kidding. I thought, I remember like my dream is to be a motivational speaker. And I was like, this will do it. I will meet some contacts. I'm like, in IT IT sales. I'm like, no, I am not going to find any contacts in IT sales. So do not expect to find your dream job after college. And don't expect to find Nico at an IT conference. (laughs) (laughs) You'll find me doing lunges outside the building or something. (laughs) Yeah, we do have this, again, expectation and we start feeling behind or we start feeling like I'm a failure. My parents expect this of me and it's okay. I think this feeds into entitlement. Every generation is more entitled than the next. Yes. And we think we're going to be these 30-year-old millionaires who are CEOs of companies who have everything figured out. We've worked our way to the top no you're 21 yeah you know you've got a lot of life to live you've got a lot of and you can learn a lot from other people so just drop the arrogance drop the entitlement learn how to work hard be diligent and whatever your hands find to do do it with excellence scripture literally says that god cares infinitely more about how you do what you do than what you do that's so good and i think the best advice i ever actually got as a senior at tcu was we had the woman from E! News come and speak to all of the sororities. Okay. Julian Rancic, I believe is her name. No clue. Anyways, she told her story of what it looked like to get where she is now. And she's the woman that does all the Oscars. She's the front of like basically every type of interview. That's for award shows, yada, yada. She said, I moved from wherever she moved from to LA and I started in the mailroom. Perfect. And what she said was, I was at the bottom of the building. I literally made $12 an hour and I was delivering mail. I delivered mail for two years before one day I delivered a piece of mail to a movie producer who saw me delivering his mail every day. And he said, you have a face for TV. And that's how she got to where she was. But here's what she did. She was faithful with being at the bottom and the Lord eventually got her to the top. Wow! And it's that reminder of, 
you might need to start in the mailroom after college. Yeah. And that's okay. And looking back at my own life, I have had so many jobs till now. You know what I mean? I didn't immediately open my own fitness business on a whim. It was, I started working at Lululemon, which then I started becoming a spin instructor, which opened these doors. And so I think reminders similar to the way we expect this ring by spring is be patient. Trust yeah. the Lord's timing. He will elevate you if he wants to elevate you in his timing, not yours. Yeah, that's literally the book of Daniel. The Lord sets up kings and tears them down. But I love about that story that she, you said it, she was faithful to just be in the mailroom. And I guarantee you she wasn't expecting to be discovered one day or whatever exactly looks like. So another disappointment can come from expecting like, oh, because I've put in my time, then I'm entitled to whatever bigger and better. And you just, again, you don't know what God's protecting you from. There are so many people who have everything that they want and you get to the top and you realize that's it. Like yeah. Madonna, like look at all these celebrities. They literally say that. They're like, the only advantage I have over the people who don't have what I have is that I'm actually here and can tell you there's no life here. Yeah. And that kind of, I mean, that was our next point was fight entitlement and be a hard worker. And I think we just covered that. Yeah, that's good. That can go for, again, wherever you are, especially if you know, here's just one more quick little tidbit on this, especially if you know what you want to do. If you want to work in church ministry, girls DM me about this all the time. And they're like, what do you, you know, here's what I want to do. What should I do? And I'm like, get, get your foot in the door. Yeah, go just, serve. Just put, like be willing to stack chairs. Be willing to answer emails, phone calls, and do it joyfully and ask questions wherever you are. Ask questions from people who are older and wiser. Get yourself around people and always be a learner. That, one, shows them respect, and two, sets you up for a successful future in whatever career you want. And then the other thing is, if you don't know what you want to do, it's okay. A lot of people can compare to all these girls who are this is always what I've wanted to do. And you're over here like, well, my life is kind of aimless because I have no clue. It's okay. If God needed you to know what you wanted to do, he would have told you. Yeah. And I'm kind of in that season right now myself. You know what I mean? I just did this one year program, came from the fitness world and I'm wrestling with God right now. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do next? And the thing is, is right now I feel like the Lord is like, do you trust me? Wow. Good. He's like, do you trust me? And I feel like the discipline that the Lord has put on my heart Every single second of the last few weeks, he goes, I need you to focus on today because I will take care of your tomorrows. And so that doesn't mean that I sit on my butt, watch Netflix and just chill. It's, Lord, what are you wanting me to do today? And I'm going to trust for you to open doors tomorrow. But right now you've called me to do this. And that could be simply graduating. That could be simply crushing your final stop, being so nervous about tomorrow. Yeah, I love it. We ready for the next point? Let's do it. Next point, be careful who you date. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. If I could shake my early 20s self, I would. All you're doing is racking up scars. Don't oh, I love that. <laughs> Wait, say that again. All you're doing is racking up scars. If you're meeting guys in the bars, that's what you're doing. If you're meeting guys Ooh, in the bars, girl. you racking up scars. Should I just rap? Yes. Wait, <laughs> bars equal scars. Seriously. Dude, that is what our time Just don't, <laughs> don't expect to find your future spouse in the bar straight up. I think we think we can have the best of both worlds of this thrill of excitement of I'm going to meet the stranger, flirt with him. 
have the thrill of the attention and then the excitement. And oh, also, still I'm going to end up with a godly guy. Oh my gosh, yes. Who wants a girl who's not doing that. So lean into that part. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so funny. I think we love the fairy tale. We believe like, oh, well, one godly man is going to go to the bar. We're going to look at each other across from the bar and we're going to memorize or quote scripture together. We'll leave (laughs) the bar together, holier than now, and it will be the perfect love story. I'm like, no, yeah, maybe you heard of that happening one time, right? And I'm like, what do you mean, godly? <laughs> yes, I'm like, he's at a bar. I'm like, and, and okay, and it's not wrong to go to bars. No, it, it's okay. But I go to bars. What are you doing there? You know, but what are is you, your purpose? What is what's your, your intention? Are you looking for a spouse there? Are you there to get drunk? What's your doing saying? Are you dressing for attention? Are you are you living on the high of making memories with your girlfriends in a way that's, Hey, what we're going to talk about tomorrow is who we hooked up with that night. Yeah. Who we went home with, which I was guilty. You know, I did that and we had so much fun and I'm not telling you guys that that's not fun. I'm telling you that following Jesus is better. Yeah. That's so good. And I think it's that I was totally in that lifestyle for a while where my relationships were even girls was based around, who is texting you? Who? Which guy did you hook up with? What guy got your attention at the bar? And if we didn't go out, we didn't have anything to talk about. Totally. Oh my gosh. This actually happened to me. One of my friends and I, we were actually in community and we reached this point of kind of growing in maturity where we realized, oh my gosh, all that we talk about is what guy we have a crush on. Yes. And so we, we made this little pact to stop doing that. And I remember the first time we got our nails done together and we walked out and we were like, so what do we talk about? <laughs> we literally had nothing to talk about. But then we just addressed it of like, this is going to take time. It's going to take time to rewire how we think, how we, what we're passionate about. That's good. Because what we've been focused on is not helpful for us and it's not healthy either. Yeah, that's good. And it kind of just goes back to our main point, which is find community in a church home ASAP to avoid having those conversations all the time. Yeah, I love it. Here's another sub point. If he's hooking up with you, just know. He ain't trying to date you. Just just, just know, okay? Uh, I would go stay the night with guys, and then we'd go to the porch, our young adults ministry, the oh next day together. And oh, just what was I doing? You, We have this, this like idea that that guy is somehow going to be the mature, godly guy who's going to lead us. And just because he's better than the guys you dated in college because he has a Bible doesn't mean that he is capable of leading you, especially not right now. That's so good. And I think a lot of times that's us taking things into our own hands. You know what I mean? And I think that we believe we don't deserve any better and we're impatient. So often we'll go to the bar, we'll find this guy who maybe goes to church once a month and we're like, well, he's better than the non-believer I dated last time. And we settle. When God is like, hey, do you want to write your story or do you want me to write your story? Because I can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And I desire good for my daughter. And I always ask this question is, what would your dad say about this situation? Mm. Wouldn't your dad be like, heck, yeah, I want to walk you down the aisle to that guy who would only hook up with you and have sleepovers with you and maybe go to church with you once a month? Or is your it dad, makes you feel like crap. Yeah, half it, the time from it not makes answering you. Always you. confused and yeah. like, why didn't he respond my text and playing games? Or do you want to go? Hey, I'm gonna leave that behind. I'm gonna trust that what God is doing is better. I'm gonna be patient, 
and know that his story is better. Dude, guys have such a responsibility. I just imagine God being like, don't mess with my daughter. You know what's going to happen if you do. So just stay away from those guys. Just do. Yeah. And I think our final little thing is, y'all, stop the sleepovers. Stop the sleepovers. Stop the sleepovers. (laughs) I would stay the night with best friends or like guy friends, which, gosh, we could talk about being best friends with guys, too. Especially if you're hooking up with them. Just don't. Just don't. Yeah, and tell your friend if you're going to be tempted. Have communities around you like, hey, I'm going to be tempted to want to do this. I guess, yeah, that's good. I guess it's easier sitting on this side of it to look back and be like, that's so dumb. But I know a lot of you guys listening right now are doing that. And I was doing that. And I would have been 0% convicted. And if somebody would have said something to me, I'd have been like, it's fine. So, But I think the good question is, how do you feel the next morning? I Here's the thing, though. I felt fine. I felt like crap. You did? Oh, I felt so guilty and I would cry. Oh, Nico. Yeah, I yeah. was like, gosh dang it, I did it again. That's good. It's and a sign so, of conviction. Yeah, and I would just tap into that. It's like, how do you feel the next morning after? How do you want to feel? I think I personally was like, quote unquote, good for a while and then let my hair down because I'd been hurt and didn't deal with it in the right way. Yeah. Honestly, I'd I'd felt like I'm doing all the right things and I still get the guys who are going to break my heart. And so what's the point? And one, that is like bad thinking anyways, but I just kind of let my hair down and stop caring and just did whatever I wanted. And so Romans 1 talks about being given over to your sin. I think there's a part of me, even as a believer, like my salvation was still secure, but I think God gave parts of me over to my sin. And thank God for community helping me out of that. Man, that's so tough. All right, we're going to end with one more point and then do a part two because we have a, a couple more good points for y'all. Yeah, love last it. Last one here. Last one is make a budget. So fun. <laughs> also, I still have not been good about making a budget and it is one of my biggest regrets. I'm like, man, if I could have been disciplined in that from the, the beginning of college, I would have such better habits today. Yeah, I think learning that every dollar matters, that everything is God's. You are a steward of everything that you've been given. That would have been wildly new to me at that age learning that whether you have a lot of money or a little money or none at all because you're still kind of swiping the card hoping it goes through for groceries you are a steward which means the things that you have are not yours and god cares about where you put them how you use them that's good because i remember when i first started working in it sales it was a pretty penny and i remember just blowing it Like I had no idea what I was doing, but also had just come from college where no one had taught me how to manage my money. That was like, I'll go to TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Oh my (laughs) gosh, this is amazing. But I think that is asking for help. I know that a lot of churches, I know that our church offers something called Money Wise, which helps you. There's apps on your phone nowadays that can help you or just simply raising your hand and going, man, I don't know how to manage this well, but I want to. Yeah. And asking for help on a 401k, asking for help on taxes. Yeah. You got to do it, y'all. That's good. One of them is you need a budget. That's an app. One of them is Mint. That's, That's an one. app. That's what I use. You use Mint? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, I think asking for help is a great example. We could do a whole episode on just bringing some accountant or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think it feels overwhelming to a lot of people unless you are a business major. True. <laughs> Even if you were. 
but just take small steps and know that you don't have to be perfect. Just start somewhere. That's so good. Y'all, we are thinking that part two is the move just because we've got so many great points and a lot of DMs that you have asked us about how to best manage time after post-grad, how to handle when you hate a job and all these different things. So we're going to wrap this up and we're going to do part two, but stay tuned and we are excited to drop our next episode shortly. Don't want-